Welcome to another episode of Veteran Cast. This week, we've got Wes Wood from InVets. The mission of Veteran Cast is to educate, inform, and improve the lives of veterans in our community. This is a podcast hosted and produced by veterans in order to serve our sisters and brothers. Welcome back, everybody. This week, we've got Wes Wood from InVets. This is Blaine Zimmerman with Doug Carr. Fantastic. How you doing, sir? I'm good. I love you're just taking this over. (laughs) This is now officially your podcast. You cracked the door open, (laughs) and I kicked it in. I love it. I love it. So today, we've got Wes Wood with us from InVets. Wes, how's it going today? It's going great. Thanks for having me. So Wes is a uh, 101st vet. Right? That's right. You want to give us flight. some background? Before we get into what you're doing now, why don't we uh, start with where you came from? Because I know we're both Army infantry guys. Yep, that's right. So I'm originally from southern Indiana, down by Evansville. Uh, joined the Army straight out of college, went the enlisted route. Uh, went to, ended up going to the 101st Airborne, no slack battalion in 1st Brigade. Spent about four years there, mainly in the recon platoon. Um, absolutely loved it. So... Um, for some of the folks that don't know, like the recon is kind of the special forces of a regular battalion, <laughs> right? Or at least you guys like to think so. Yeah, we like to think so. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's you know, the, the mission set of a recon platoon is exactly that reconnaissance. You know, guys that divide up into small teams go out, they're semi-autonomous gathering information. So to have that kind of skill set, you want to pick guys that you can trust to be alone in the woods uh, make decisions, that type of thing. So we have tryouts, we have stuff like that. Um, the cool thing from my perspective, what I really liked about it is because there's a tryout process, you know, you have the potential to fire people. It's only people that want to be there. If somebody's not performing, if somebody, you know, just doesn't cut it, you can send them back to the line and, you know, pick somebody else. So the leadership challenges are a little bit different. Um, you get a little bit of different perspective when you have that small group, whereas on the line, you know, you got to kind of figure it out. You can't fire people. I mean, right. you can only send so many people to the yes shops. Um, so you guys, you really have to work on that small team dynamic. Um, and you use a lot of that from training, whether it be, you know, a lot of you guys I know are sniper qualified or have your mm-hmm. ranger tabs, stuff like that. Um, and how do those kind of skills kind of work into that, that small team environment? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think the recon platoon is actually a lot easier from a leadership perspective because you have that option of just getting rid of the hard cases. Um, but it was a lot more fun from my perspective just getting to work with that you know core group of people that, uh, you know, like you said, there's, in ours at least, there were three recon teams, one sniper section. I was in the sniper section the whole time. Came to love those guys. Still talk to a lot of them today. I've been out for about three years now. Um, yeah. Absolutely loved it. I wish we had that in the Navy where I could just throw guys over the side. You, know. <laughs> you guys don't yeah, do that? You're just not working out. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to, I don't want to have to deal with you anymore. So um, we're going to be talking a lot about transition today because what you've been doing with InVets. Um, tell me why, tell us, tell all of our listeners why um, that became an important point to you. Like, was there something in your transition process out of the Army that really stuck with you that made you want to go try to fix it, if you will? Sure. So I guess I can kind of tell my perspective as I got out. So keeping in mind that I went into the Army, you know, after a four-year degree, uh, you know, I had a bachelor's degree in finance, 
as I was coming out, I thought, you know, with a bachelor's degree, five years in the army, leadership experience most of the time, I was in, you know, the scout platoon the whole time, finding a job is going to be a piece of cake. Uh, and it just wasn't the case. You know, part of it is I'd never been really to Indianapolis. I came here for an MBA program, an evening program. I was still looking for a full-time job during the day though. Um, part of the issue was I just didn't know what was out there. I didn't know, you know, you can look at job boards all day long, but you know, business analyst, you know, what in the world does that actually look like in a day-to-day -day environment? I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if I'm qualified for it. Um, you know, so I applied to some of those online, heard crickets, went to some staffing companies. They told me, hey, you've got no experience. Uh, you're, you should be looking at, you know, 12 to $15 an hour until you get some experience and then we'll find you something. Um, but that whole time I was just networking like crazy, you know, relying on a couple, you know, family members I had here in town to just try and meet and talk to as many people as possible, uh, figure out what their career paths look like, uh, what their advice was, that type of thing. Um, and believe it or not, you know, it took me, let's see, it took me about six months uh, to finally land where I landed. But I met my, uh, the guy that's, you know, currently my boss. I met him in a bar, believe it or not. Uh, went there with my wife on our anniversary after dinner to grab a drink. Uh, Veteran-owned bar, veteran bar, local to Indianapolis. Um, met this, you know, older gentleman, his wife, their group of friends, just struck up a conversation, found out he had been fairly successful in life and asked we could grab coffee sometime and talk. And uh, a couple months later, he ended up offering me a position at a nonprofit organization called Central Indiana Corporate Partnership. So what have you done? You know, let's talk about InVets a little bit. How did, when you started at uh, Central Indiana Corporate Par Partnership, did I say that yeah. right? That's a, <laughs> that's a lot to remember, even in 30 seconds. Um, what have you guys created since then? Because I, I think it's pretty fascinating. And coming from, um, I don't know if I've ever really shared my background on the podcast, but very similar situation transitioning, coming out of 10th Mountain, another infantry unit, um, I remember going through the ACAP program, which is something you work with, mm -hmm. and just thinking, man, this is broken. Um, I also came into the Army after a four-year degree and was getting out to go into an MBA program at night here in Indianapolis, a different one than you. Um, but the, uh, I just remember like people walking out of there with resumes in Comic Sans, and they checked the box, <laughs> right? They did the resume class, they checked the box. Or you have to go to this finance guy, and he has to look at your personal budget and tell you whether or not you're ready to get out of the Army. And it was, I was like, man, I've been living on my own with two kids for years. Like, what? who are you going to tell me that I'm ready to get right. out? Um, and then, I, you know, I had to, went through a lot of the same struggles you did, like just networking, networking, trying to – because I wanted to get into the tech community um, here in Indy. And it was just a matter, I worked in insurance for a little while. Cause I realized if I worked in insurance, I could get a paycheck while networking. So that was kind of my in. Um, but when I met you and we originally talked about what you're doing with InVets, I was super excited and jazzed. And I really wanted to be able to help tell, help you tell that story because, uh, I won't steal any more of your thunder, but just explain to us what you're doing now. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, just to explain what Central Indiana Corporate Partnership, or CICP for short, is. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization, but it's not like most nonprofits. Its real mission is to strengthen Indiana's economic infrastructure. So what that looks like is identifying gaps or shortfalls, um, opportunities to 
help Indiana's economy grow, thrive, allow businesses to expand that type of thing. So that takes a whole bunch of different forms, does a bunch of different things. And what I did for the first two years in that role with CICP was I worked with small towns all over the state, uh, companies all over the state, primarily in manufacturing logistics industry, uh, to try and figure out how to solve some of their workforce issues. So traditionally what CICP has done in that space is work with you know local school systems, local government, try and figure out a way to make sure everyone's talking to each other, make sure schools are teaching the right skills for you know what employers are looking for. But over and over again, I kept having the same conversation with employers, you know, large, small, everything in between. They all told me the same thing. We can't find enough people that are hardworking, teachable, show up to work on time, um, have leadership ability. We just can't get enough of them. We don't care what they know. We'll teach them everything they need to know. We just need a good, solid person to start with. You know, meanwhile, in my head, I'm thinking... I know a ton of those guys, all those guys that were in my scout platoon, uh, you know, some of us got out at the same time. And now, you know, three years later, some of them are still trying to figure out what to do with their lives. They're still trying to figure out where they can be valued for what they've done in their past. And here I'm talking to companies that are looking for exactly what they are. And somehow there's a miscommunication or, you know, missed opportunity there. Um, so I would ask them, you know, well, what are you doing to, to reach out to veterans? And, and some had tried, you know, some had made real earnest efforts to go out to bases um, they didn't always know the best approach. They spent a lot of money, maybe wasted a lot of money in some circumstances trying to, to reach out to veterans, but there was no easy way to make contact. Uh, a lot of the companies also were just kind of sitting back and waiting. You know, they said, we'll take any veteran absolutely. we can get. We absolutely love them, but um, they just don't apply. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, they're in a small town in Indiana that nobody that's leaving a major military base has ever heard of. So... Let's see, in July of, let's see, what was it, 2016, we pitched the idea, you know, uh, me and another guy that I work with talked to some of these companies and we said, hey, what if instead of every company going out and taking their own stab at trying to get in touch with veterans, what if we kind of combine forces? Let's collaborate, let's bring some resources together from some of these major companies. Um, Let's do a group effort to try and pitch Indiana to folks as they leave the military, try and draw as many folks as we can back to connect them with these opportunities. And on the flip side, see if we can work with these companies to make sure that they are taking advantage of that opportunity, make sure they're translating skills, make sure they're connecting with the talent that is available. Um, So, you know, it it took a while, you know, having this conversation over and over again with different companies. Uh, But we got five companies that eventually signed on with that, gave us some significant money to make it happen. Uh, And then we took that, you know, that momentum went to the state of Indiana, to the Indiana Department of Workforce Development, told them our idea, showed them the support we had, and then they kicked in some, some matching funding and that got us, got us kind of off the ground. Um, so some, a lot of the stuff that you said, you know, it's echoing what we heard in Tech it Warriors. About, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's exactly what you were saying, yeah. Doug, at Tech Warriors last Tuesday. Um, you know, we need people that can show up on time yeah. with that, with the work work ethic, and we can teach them everything else. Well, the, um, ga- the gap is that education gap. And, and I'm not talking four-year. I'm, I'm talking the gap of the veteran that doesn't realize that they're overqualified for positions that are are available already. And then there's the gap in education of employers that don't realize that veterans are the perfect opportunity. And that's, you know, that's a lot of, you know, why we're having that event. And um, obviously we'll have to have you guys (laughs) 
yeah. <laughs> front and center <laughs> at the next one because we're going to have it every every quarter. And our and I and our only thing is, you know, we, we don't want to become a. Uh, we're, our our goal is not to become an organization. It's literally the veteran cast, and that event is just to get the word out, just to get the word out about initiatives like this. Because you're dead on. I, I I know. You know. I got out a long time ago. I'm I'm old and gray and fat and. Um, but when I got out, I didn't. I never. I was in a shipyard town. You know. So you went from the navy to the shipyards. You know. And I wound up taking a left turn and going into the newspaper industry. Well, the newspaper industry was never, you know, marketing, technology, uh, advertising was never known for, you know, hiring military vets, you know. And so it was a, it was just plain luck. And as I, and when I moved to Indy, I never even talked. That's why we're doing the podcast. I never talked to veterans. I never talked to other veterans mm-hmm. at all. And then all of a sudden I start meeting these people that are leaders you know, that I'm like, they're like, oh, so you were in the Navy, you know? And I'm like, yeah. And they were like, oh, I was in the Corps. Oh, I was in the Army. Oh, I was in the Air Force. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, oops, there goes the E, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but we have we have veterans literally everywhere, uh, you know, top and bottom at all these organizations. But we don't talk to each other. You know, we didn't have the veterans community talking to the, you know, to the, the especially with me, with the tech community. There was just no overlap at all. And so these are really important education things for people to understand. What are you getting when you get a veteran? You know, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're getting a college degree kid, you're going to get someone with, you know, minimal experience. Maybe they did an internship and they did a curriculum that's three years old. Right. You know, and, and that's not a knock against, you know, secondary education. It's just the reality of it. And so why do you hire someone with a college degree? Why? Because you know that they're teachable, <laughs> you know, you know that you can get them in the job. You, you know that they, they have somewhat of a baseline understanding. Well, those are the same exact reasons that a vet makes a perfect employee is except that some vets literally have the technology chops that they were working on that last week and they were working on something so ridiculously complex <laughs> compared to your business, you know, that you don't even realize it. And so I, I love hearing this just because this is, this is at the heart of why we started. This was, was we just feel like there's a real gap in, in informing, you know, employers and veterans that they're perfect match for each other. They just don't realize. I hate hearing that, that you wandered out there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that is like, that's what bothers me the most is that I, I get these interns in here that I just want to strangle them, you know, and, and knowing Most that there's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and knowing that there's veterans out there that could take these positions that I know, I know they're going to be disciplined. I know they're going to be detail oriented, man, bring them in, you know? Yeah. And, Part of the cool thing about these companies that we're working with is they're massive companies. Yeah. You know, so the can pot- you say them? Or sure. Is that yeah. okay? So that, well, let me let me kind of lead you in. The one thing that I do, speaking about the transition piece specifically, um, can you dive more into what the com- which companies you are working with, and what is the recruitment piece, and how does that look to bring them in, and like the whole nine. Sure. So I'll try and make this uh, as simple as I can, you know, just verbally, but uh, the five, five companies that have jumped in, you know, not only offered financial contributions to get this thing off the ground, but also offered to partner with us throughout this whole process for at least the next two years to really figure out how to make this work long term. We know we don't know everything now. This is just kind of the starting point. 
Um, but the five companies are Toyota, Honda, Subaru, Allison Transmission, and Forcia. So all five of those are very large organizations uh, spread throughout Indiana. They're not all just in one community. Um, but one of the cool things that that offers with working with those large organizations, and one of the reasons that they joined on to begin with, is that with as many people as they have, you know, thousands of people, thousands and thousands within each facility, they've seen you know, the proof of what veterans can do in their facilities. They've seen the leadership they bring to the table, how that translates into performance uh, in their work environments. And that's what's really driving this. So the way we've chosen to start going about making this happen um, really breaks down into three, three phases, so to speak. The first one is the recruitment process. Uh, that involves us, you know, just going out uh, and talking to people. So, you know, I'm a Army infantry guy, it seems like that's the best place to start is just get out there, boots on the ground. Uh, so we'll be traveling to bases around the country, uh, actually talking to folks through the ACAP process, you know, at career fairs and that type of thing. Um, but in that process, really trying to have a consistent conversation with folks. We don't want to go to a base, you know, once every six months, you know, have a conversation, never talk to that person again, kind of leave them dangling. We want to go every month to every nice. base that we're going to have a consistent conversation. You know, even if it's just going there, sending out an email to our list, say, hey, I'm at Fort Campbell, you know, the next couple of days, I'll be at, you know, this bar tonight or this restaurant tomorrow. Hey, let's come meet up. We'll talk. Um, just talk to you about the companies, about the communities, the whole thing. Uh, you know, obviously we want to work with every veteran within the state as well. Um, but we think that, you know, maybe the low-hanging fruit those are those folks that are in that transition process. Absolutely. So we want to talk to them as they're making that decision on where to go. You know, I, I know of guys that got out when I got out that, you know, moved to Florida, a group of them. They had no connection to Florida, no prospects. It, it's got a beach. You know, it's got to be a great place Warm. to live. Right. Uh, but in the end, you know, they don't have – they don't have long lasting careers down there. It's a tourism industry. Yep. We have those careers here in Indiana. So we want to insert, you know, Indiana into that step in the decision making process. When we have the jobs too, because if you oh, want to yeah. spout off some stats about manufacturing jobs that are about to be open because of the the dwindling people going into manufacturing. Oh yeah. So that's that's a whole another issue you could talk for quite a while about. Um, but first of all, Indiana is the number one manufacturing per capita state in the country. Uh, and the thing about that industry is that it is skewed towards the older population compared to most other industries. Right. There are fewer and fewer young people going into that industry. And what that means is that as the baby boomer population is set to retire, they're set to lose a whole bunch of people and they don't have anyone to fill those jobs. Now, some of those will, will be replaced by you know automation and things like that, but that doesn't necessarily eliminate jobs. That just ups the level of education you need to have those jobs. Um, and the real difficulty is that we're looking at, you know, according to one Deloitte survey, uh, by 2025, we're looking at 90,000 unfilled manufacturing jobs in Indiana. That's a huge number. And to put that in perspective, there's roughly 70,000 high school graduates every year in Indiana, which means even if every single high school senior goes into manufacturing, there's still not going to be enough to take all the jobs. Um, so that presents a huge challenge to Indiana and their economy, but that also pre presents a huge opportunity to anybody that's looking for a sustainable, you know, long-term career path. Yeah. Well, and, I, and, and we, we, the term manufacturing is a terrible term too, right? <laughs> because it doesn't describe the jobs of manufacturing 20 right. years ago. It's gotten that, a bad rap. Yeah. That these are incredibly efficient, you know, that we're using state of the art equipment, you know, to run these facilities. And so you've got to be, 
you know, on the bleeding edge. Oh, yeah. You know? So Forcia, uh, you know, one of our partners, um, their facility, their new facility down in Columbus, Indiana, 75% roughly of their population of workforce at that facility requires a two to four year degree. Yeah. You know, it's not traditional manufacturing. You're not sitting there, you know, turning the same bolt day in and day out. You're, right. you know, it's all autonomous robots. Um, it's a lot of, a lot of high tech stuff. And one of the things that I, you know, got really excited about when we talked was one of the things that I wanted to keep on the forefront if we're talking about employment is a lot of the times we think here in Indianapolis, we think tech or we think the health industry or we think what um, some may call shower after work jobs. Sorry, excuse me, shower yeah. before work jobs, <laughs> right? So there's there's two there's two different types of jobs. There's the type of job where you shower before work and you put on your khakis and you put on your polo and you go to work. Yeah. And then there's jobs, most a lot of times in manufacturing and skilled trades, that you go to work and you get dirty and you yeah. go home and you shower after work. And I think that while being really focused on hiring vets is great, if we're only focused on the shower after work guys, we're missing the majority of the type of guys that you and I were in the military with. Probably not missing the majority of the guys coming out, or the men and women coming out of the Air Force, right. really technical jobs, um, the Navy, stuff like that. But like, if we're talking about grunts like us, yeah. when we get out, you know, a lot, of us, a lot of us didn't have degrees when we got out. And we were like, well, we want a high-paying job. We want to be able to take care of our families. We don't really want to, you know, go do the, the bad factory. We don't want to be a, a parts sorter. But... We know that there's good paying jobs out there. Um, we don't know where to go to find them because we don't. We're not in the union. We don't have an in in the door. And I think that having a lot. I don't want to say you know a ton of money thrown at it, but having a good amount of financial backing and the right recruiting message, it gets that message out there. Hey, we do care about these jobs too. Like we want these jobs as well, and these vets are also important. That's that to me is one of the biggest is the the the. The low expectations is what's what's uh, what I don't like, you know the the shower like you said the shower after job like look uh, I mean we busted ass in the military right you know I mean we all did it and and we don't mind working hard I do now that I'm old but but uh, I hire people to yeah, do the physical true. labor I don't even mow my lawn it's <laughs> I drink coffee and watch you Steve just have do Alexa it. do it. I, I yeah. have a guy Steve <laughs> and uh, but. But that I think that's one of the things that I, I don't like is that there's an assumption, right? There's an assumption that people have this stigma in their head, even in Indianapolis, which is a very pro-military city. They still have that stigma of what did you? So what did you do in the military? And when you start telling people, you know that oh well, you know we had we had budgets and we had. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. we had to hire and fire, promote, uh, educate, train, you know, what in the military, you know, you didn't just walk around with guns, you yeah. know, and, and that's to me is the, is, is what bothers me the most is just that that's what I want to change. I want to change that stereotype of what people think of someone coming out of the military. I, I had the stat the other day that 58% of vets leaving the military had formal technology training. You know, 58% of them. So literally six out of 10 vets are walking out there that they literally went to a school, you know, to learn high tech, you know, work. And, and that's what we're talking about. And even, you know, the people that didn't still worked with the equipment, you know, still worked around the equipment, still were trained on it.
And we definitely know our way around PowerPoint too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and so the thing is, you know, I just did this today actually, um, earlier today in the office, went through these five companies to see which jobs they had open today. There were over 55 different job titles between these five companies, everything ranging from accounting down to, you know, operations supervisors. Um, you know, the whole spectrum, you know, Which are perfect jobs, yeah. right? Perfect yeah. for vets. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, manufacturing supervisor, I mean, those jobs, you know, a lot of people, you know, in the white collar world kind of, you know, crinkle their nose at it because you're out, you know, on the floor, so to speak. But what it is, you're leading a team, you know, yes. it's exactly what you do in the army. And by the way, when you count overtime and everything, yeah, you're working your butt off, but you're making six figures out of the gate. Yeah. You don't even need these, most of these companies will overlook not having a four-year degree if you have significant military experience for that position because they know when they take a 22-year-old kid out of college, they put them in that position, a lot of them can't take the heat. They yeah. can't stand you know, dealing with conflict, having to manage a team at that age. Um, the assembly line doesn't have Starbucks, right? Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and you've also partnered with, I mean, you, you talked about uh, Forcia. But these other companies, like, they're at the cutting edge of yes, what they're doing. Absolutely. I mean, Subaru, yep. we studied Subaru in the MBA program about mm -hmm. what the Subaru in Lafayette is doing. It's like the cleanest factory in the yep. United States, or maybe even in the world. I Zero mean, they, landfill. Yeah, they win yep. awards every year. And, and you can't just be a normal assembly line worker and s stick to those very strict standards, right? Yep. Like, they expect a, a very high... Um, output a work output from you because of that because they have to keep those those you know qualifications up they have to keep that that mm -hmm. best in the United States designation so they need the, those em employees that can do that Wes one of the we had uh, Mayor Ballard mm -hmm. was speaking and he's on the I think it's a veteran services committee for the state now I think so. You know, and one of the things that he was talking about, because you you identified a key issue, and that was returning over and over to bases, mm -hmm. you know, to, to inform these people of, you know, what to do after you get out, what to do, what to do, where to go, where to get help. And one of the things that he said was he thought it was absolutely ridiculous that every single vet, you know, as soon as you're getting out, they ship your stuff home. <laughs> Right. And, and he's like, so somebody has that list <laughs> out there, you know, somebody knows that you're coming home and, and it's a matter of how does the state get that list or whatever, you know, to, to get those people in touch with, you know, organizations, any of our organizations, you know, so that we can push them through your door, you know, is there, you know, is that a struggle for you too, that, you know, that, okay, you're talking to these people at the base, they're leaving in 30 days, but then they never knock on your door. Yeah, so that's keeping in mind that we're just getting off the ground here. So we, I was at Fort Campbell last week. That was our first major career event. Um, but the hope is that this website that's uh, being finalized as we speak actually nice. will kind of serve as the uh, kind of the hub for all of this. So what that website will entail is uh, kind of the pitch, you know, here's Indiana. Here's the great things about Indiana from a veteran's perspective. Here's information on individual communities. So you can see, you know, if you want to live in a small town, we've got those. If you want to live in the big city, you know, Indy's a great option. Uh, kind of spelling out all of those options. There's tons of information on the companies, career paths. But at the end of the day, what we hope uh, to achieve is that whatever veteran is looking at it or service member, if they're interested in moving to Indiana, uh, even remotely, that they log on, create a profile, uh, upload kind of traditional, you know, LinkedIn style, so yep. to speak, 
background information, but also we're opening up a step further. Uh, if they want, they can upload military-specific documents uh, further than a DD-214. They yep. can upload, uh, you know, evaluations. They can upload, you know, for our Army speak, uh, an ERB, an ORB, uh, NCOER, stuff like that, stuff that will allow us as invets to look at that person's background and match them and yeah, kind of translate it, not, you know, not break it down into a fluffy resume for an employer, but say, Hey, look, if we've got 10 applicants, here's how we would rank them one to 10, you know, this guy's a rock star, uh, you know, this guy's bottom of the barrel, but most of these companies, you know, you have to be pretty low in the barrel, uh, for them to not want to hire you. They want absolutely everybody, but hopefully this makes the, you know, type of position, um, a little bit easier to match with the candidate. That's fantastic. When is when is the launch of that site? So the site's actually live now. Uh, the web address is invets.org, I-N-V-E-T-S.org. Uh, the functionality of it, you know, is still a little bit in process. We haven't done a, you know, big public, you know, launch of everything yet, but it is, um, it is available right now for a veteran to log on and create that profile. That's fantastic. We'll put this in the show notes for anybody that's listening. Yeah, and I, I, I think, too, the other awesome part about that website is it is a marketing tool for the community. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just a recruiting um, event for the company. It's a recruiting event for the state and for that specific community. So um, kind of going back into the well with Subaru, uh, that's going to have all the information you need about Lafayette. Like, do I want to live in West Lafayette and send my kids to those schools? Do I want to go to to Jeff? Like which community is best for me? What's the best place to live? Maybe it's, you know, out in the country. Maybe I want to live in Indy and commute to Lafayette every day. Like you, all that information, it's not there yet, but it's developing, right? So it's a one-stop shop for, hey, maybe I know I'm coming out and I can get a job at any of these five places. And then it's a matter of which community best suits my needs, right? Yeah, absolutely. And actually we're talking about you know, like I said, we're, con- we're continuously revising this, but in a later iteration of this site, we want to have a searchability function on there. So you can search what attributes of a community you want, and it'll generate the list of Indiana oh, wow. communities that match that. Wow, that's really um, cool. Again, not there yet. We're kind of, you know, building the cars or driving it. Sure, uh, yeah. And, and the hope, too, is that we can, that we can partner with local, you know, uh, Groups, yeah, cha- yeah, whether it's chambers Congress, or veteran yeah. organizations to to help us make that happen. I know, you know, I'm from Southern Indiana. I live in Indianapolis now. I might not be the best person to connect you with everything in West Lafayette, but I know people there that can do all that for you. So, you know, we're trying to make those connections. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the same with, you know, looking what greenfield right is one of the communities greensburg greensburg. It's yeah, every Honda. single time I get the green wrong. <laughs> um, Toyota's where. Princeton, Indiana. Princeton, so that we got the southern half of the state covered. Mm-hmm. And Forcia is? They actually have several facilities uh, in Columbus and then in Fort Wayne as well. Oh, wow. Okay. So we really have basically all four corners covered plus Allison here downtown. Yep. Pretty much. That was the and plan. Of those core companies, is this, uh, you know, are you looking for more companies to kind of sign on with, with you? Potentially. So this is, you know, it was a challenge from the beginning is we had to figure out a way to get it funded. Um, and I think the best way to do that is to find these key, you know, companies that, you know, can help fund it and really partner with us. But at the end of the day, if we get, you know, a thousand people that join this database that want to come and find a job in Indiana, but these five, let's say they only hire 250 people. 
we still want those other 750 people to come here. We still know that there's a lot of demand and in industry for them. Um, so we're opening up this database to other companies uh, as well to be a part of it. Uh, that part's still growing, uh, still evolving. Um, and there's a little bit of a delay mechanism there. You know, those five companies that, you know, funded all of this kind of get first dibs on, on the talent, but we definitely want to make this opportunity available to as many companies and, and veterans as possible. Fantastic. So, I mean, I think that that covers InVets for this week. Doug, do you have anything that you wanted to add? Or We just, you know, we just need to stay on top of this. You know, I mean, the, this is definitely a, a perfectly aligned focus with what we're trying to do here as well. So however we can help, you know, be an echo for you guys and, and get that out there. So maybe, maybe, maybe we need to talk to you about, you know, putting a little spot on the podcast that we can play every time and, and stuff and um, give some love on the site and stuff to drive people. When I, when I, the first time you had me on for Circle City Vets, the very first person I thought of was Wes. And I yeah. thought, we have to get Wes on yeah, here perfect. to talk yeah. about this because it covers every base, what you do. Um, and I'm not trying to make you feel special. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just what you do covers every base, right? So we're talking employing vets. We're talking building the state, building the city. Yeah. We're talking growing our communities and giving vets all the resources they need of, hey, here's how to give back. Here's how to get involved in your community. Here's the schools you need to look at. Um, and the other, the, the one piece that we didn't talk about was one of the things, um, if we can touch on it real quick, when you bring vets into these companies and they, they do the tour, mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that and like how they get the full spectrum of like, here's what a career looks like. like yeah, so I think we're talking about that, so, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so on the website, one of the things we've asked um, these companies to do, and I didn't really get to the, you know, the full three phases of, you know, what this website is supposed to do. But a big component of this is making sure that we are connecting veterans with a job um, that they are going to be happy with in the long term. There's a huge retention issue with veterans in the first job they take after the service. And I think a big component of that is not knowing fully what you're getting yourself involved in, right? You look at the job board, you think you know what that job looks like in real life. You get there, you experience it. It's maybe not what you thought. Uh, so what all of these companies have committed to do is to map out career paths within their organization start to finish. So what that might look like um, let's take industrial maintenance, for example. So that's somebody that goes in, they work on, you know, the robotics, the, they fix the machines, make sure everything runs smoothly. If we map that out, start to finish, step one would be the education you need to get in the door, uh, and the education down to which education provider you need to take, uh, the school that's preferred by that employer, everything, uh, to set you up for success. Step two is the entry level position, what you make at that position, how long you need to spend there before you get to the next rung, what you make at the next rung, you know, similar to the, how the military has every, you know, career progression mapped out and, you know, kind of a ballpark of what you make and how long it yeah. takes to get to each rung, have the same thing translated back on the civilian side. Um, so that's one thing I'm really happy that all these companies have, have signed on to and we're in the process of mapping all of those out right now, but it should make, uh, you know, planning long-term a lot easier. You know, even if, you know, let's say the pay isn't, hundred percent where you would love it to be immediately. If you know, in a year and a half, you can be making what you want to make. Uh, I think that makes a big difference. Plus, you know, you have the built-in job security of there's more jobs than there are people <laughs> right now. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's big too. Cause it's the one thing that 
I always heard, and I don't know if this is something I think you've there's heard. There's more good jobs than there are good people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly true. That's, well, that's something that we had talked about. Is you know a lot of the stuff that that Wes is working towards, and, and I think all of us in the back of our heads, we're probably not catering to every vet. Right. We all know that that um, bad E4 that just kind sure. of skated his way through and yep. always, you know, probably was just going to go back home and and work at Steak and Shake anyway, um, we're not going to be able to help. We can only help the vets that want to help themselves is really what it is. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that that having that progression and and knowing you have that job security, because to what I was about to say, I don't know if you experienced this at all, but when I was going through ACAP, when I would go back to my unit, all I would hear is, well, you're just going to be right back in the Army in three years. You're going to go out. Nothing's going to be there. You're going to come right back. You hear that enough, it starts to ring true. And then for me, that was my driving factor, was I'm doing everything I'm I'm going to be successful to prove that that's not true. Yeah. And then I can show somebody else, hey, when somebody's telling you this, it's not true. There are different ways to do it. You just have to, to make the right path for yourself. Um, you're making the path a lot easier. You're cutting it a little bit early for them. And I think that that's awesome. Well, not, and not everybody is going to be, you know, everybody might be qualified and proactive and everything else, but not everybody is a great networker, yeah, you know? Right. And so that's, that's the other piece of this is just, just extending a hand and having that bridge there is enough that you're going to get people that maybe would have gone back in. Yeah. But now they, they see another opportunity. I, I tell you, I, I haven't looked at a resume of an employee and, eight years. I mean, I hire everybody off of word of mouth and connection and networking. And so, you know, it, it, it pains me again to hear, (laughs) you know, that some vet is taking his last day and putting together a word document that nobody's going to look at. (laughs) Well, the downside to, you know, there's a lot of good groups out there working on, you know, resume creation, you know, tweaking that and everything. The downside to that, from my perspective, is as you know, just the amount of time I've been in this position, um, the resumes I've seen, what ends up being generated is a bunch of fluff. Yes. Yeah. You know, they all sound yep. pretty much the same. You're in charge of X number of dollars of equipment. Yep. Uh, you know, it's and at the end of the day, you get a lot of HR departments that just look at it, kind of shrug their shoulders and toss it to the side. They don't know what any of it really means. It, it, that's exactly it. They don't know, and that's what that's that's where this education has to come in. And there's some, there's some there's some cool people doing some cool things out, out at these bases too. Fort Hood, which is where we'll be uh, later in January, they've got a cool program. Well, they'll take civilian employers. They'll do a full day seminar. They'll walk them through, you know, how to translate skills, all that good stuff. Oh, that's great. And then the next day, they attach them to a unit, an oh. active duty unit, and they spend a full day out embedded with that unit, so they can see how that translates back into their own facility, and they can take that knowledge with them back to their organization. So there's some cool groups out there. That's fantastic. Um, That's what needs to happen. Yeah, why doesn't the whole army adopt that? (laughs) (laughs) First Cav. And that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Every base is, every base tackles this completely different. Yeah, because when we shared our stories between leaving Campbell and leaving Drum, I mean, we had, it was, at the end of the day, generically the same, but wildly different from the individual yeah. perspective so but yeah well Wes thanks so much for coming on you want to plug the site one more time sure yeah it's uh, invets.org i-n-v-e-t-s dot org uh, get on there take a look around create a profile um, worst case scenario if you have any questions just shoot me an email and don't forget uh, 
be on the lookout for all the Tech Warrior events. There'll be at least four next year. Yeah, we'll get uh, at if least that's what one you mean by quarterly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so there'll be at least four of those next year. We still they still have the big uh, discount, the twenty five dollars a month for veterans. If you want to be a member of the Speakeasy, I am taking advantage of that tonight. We had so. uh, we had. Eight veteran, eight veterans sign up at that event. Wow. When we walked in, they were doing a tour for somebody. But signed up. Yeah. Like not thinking about it, not taking a tour, signed up. Oh, nice. I was like, holy crap, that's fantastic. Because we had like 40, 50 people turn out, you know. So that that was a really we, nice We surprise. saw Travis when I walked in and he said, you get my email? And I was like, I was going to sign up tonight while I was here. And he was like, okay, cool. I'm giving him a tour right now. Doug can give you a tour. That's awesome. Like, I've seen it. I've been around. Well, and, that's, and that's part <laughs> of it too. The, the Speakeasy has basically... Uh, they want to be a focal point from a location standpoint. So there's the online, obviously something like Invets, but we want you in here too. We want you to, you know, speak at our next event. And, and uh, if you wanted to do classes or get together or recruitment or, or whatever, what the speakeasy wants to be, they've got six locations, I think working on seven now around the city, you know? And so the opportunity there is, is that they have all these facilities that are fantastic you're drinking a free beer right now from one. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> it's after hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, that that's the type of, you know, we want to build that networking, that that face-to-face with, with veterans as well. So get them in here, see the entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. see the companies that are hiring, see the educators that are educating these, you know, employees, and, uh, and magic will happen, right? And this is my first time in this facility, uh, and it's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, this is a really cool space. Yeah, it's it's a fun, fun place to work every day, that's for sure. Thanks for coming out, Wes. Yeah, really, really, appreciate, lot, really appreciate you having me. Please visit VeteranCast.com for additional information. Subscribe to our podcast, and we'd also appreciate a review. God bless you, and God bless America.